Hey weirdo, what's your superpower? And how will you use it to change the world? Welcome to Season 1, Issue 15 of Just Us Weirdos. I'm your host, Charlie White. If you're rejoining us, welcome back. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, I'd really suggest you pause and go back and start with issue number one. For those of you rejoining us, today's issue is a longer one, so we're going to skip most of the intro and outro stuff. I want to make sure to give early credit to Joe Carnwath, who wrote the music you're listening to right now. Joe has new music out on Spotify, so be sure to check him out. Previously on Just Us Weirdos, we saw Amina Amparo, dressed as the superhero Graphene, meeting with possible supervillain Gwenifer Work. As the vice president of the world's most successful company, Mrs. Work creates amazing technology, and she revealed that she is using this to create her own superheroes. Mrs. Work gave Graphene a new supersuit before showing off the magnificent spider-like NSC suit, a giant robotic supersuit that enhances the power of an ordinary superhero. As Graphene reacquainted herself with the supersuit, an alarm sounded at Binary Consolidated Headquarters. A helicopter had crashed into the Majestic River Dam. Quadropolis needs superheroes. Mrs. Work climbs into the NSE suit and asks Graphene if she's ready. And that brings us to issue 15 of Just Us Weirdos. At your service, Master Beninja. Graphene flies. Let me say that again, just to make sure you got it. Graphene flies. She soars over the River Majestic and the towers of downtown Quadropolis. She glides through the forest north of the Quad Meadow suburb where she lives. She darts back and forth from treetop to treetop, and then she gets a message on her comms. Those jet boots only work for about 15 seconds if you're out of range of the NSE suit, Mrs. Work says. Right now, I am your power source. Stop showing off. Graphene scowls for a moment, but just a moment. Then she remembers. She's flying. There's our backup, Mrs. Work says. The inside of Graphene's helmet is like a smartphone that Mrs. Work can control. A flashing triangle appears on top of a dark shape in the river. Graphene looks closer and sees fish out of water, who is currently a salmon slicing through the currents of the River Majestic towards Majestic Dam. Graphene sees him look over at her. Then he snaps into a human form momentarily and gives a thumbs up before returning to a salmon form. Meanwhile, Graphene checks out the movements of the NSE suit again. When she first saw the machine in the warehouse at Binary, she had imagined its movements would be fearsome, its spidery legs tearing at the ground and ripping through anything in the way. The reality is far more graceful. Rather than each leg moving independently like a twitching spider, it is as if the NSE suit has two wheels on each side, but each wheel happens to have four legs instead of a tire. As the wheels turn, the legs move closer to the ground, and advanced artificial intelligence helps guide the legs to a spot where they will do no damage to the ground below. Watching the NSE suit walk reminds Graphene of a deck of cards being shuffled. 
Heads up, binary team alpha. Mrs. Work says calmly into the comms. She highlights the dam on their helmets, drawing a bright red line where the damage is. The words, threat assessment calculating, flash on the bottom of Graphene's helmet for a moment, before a series of gold, silver, and bronze dots appear on her screen. I've highlighted the damage for you, Mrs. Work says, and I have run a victim valuation assessment through the beta Hero Call app. What do the different colors mean? Graphene asks. Since we haven't released Hero Call yet, we don't know who represents the greatest benefit to society among the people in danger. So today, we're using more rudimentary statistical models and artificial intelligence to guess. Go for the gold, team. Graphene brings her legs together and points her feet down to hover in place with the jet boots. She finds all the dots in her vision distracting, and she lifts off her helmet for a moment. She sees the wreckage of the helicopter, which is hanging from a ledge on the giant concrete dam. She pulls her helmet back on and sees that there are two dots on the helicopter. They are both bronze. The people in the helicopter are still alive, she says. They're not going to make it if we don't act fast. Mrs. Work sounds loudly on her comms. Negative graphene. There are higher value targets around the perimeter of the river. I am moving there. Remember, if you get too far away from me, you will not be able to fly. Graphene says, don't worry, I got this. She flies to a nearby rooftop and lands on it, quickly sketching her hang glider with her graphite fingertip. She pops it off and puts it on her back, then glides over to the river toward the massive concrete dam, gripping the ledge as she draws near. The helicopter pilot gapes at the preteen superhero, wearing a hand-drawn hang glider climbing up the side of the dam. What are you? He yells. I'm a superhero, Graphene says. She draws a ladder on the side of the dam and pops it off, extending it like a bridge to the cabin of the helicopter. The two survivors inside, the pilot and the reporter, crawl across it to the ledge. The pilot is shaken, but the reporter seems weirdly excited. If this were a movie, he says, that helicopter would have fallen to the ground as soon as we got to safety. A huge crack punctuates his sentence, and a massive chunk of concrete begins to fall from the fracture in the dam. Graphene draws a quick line on the wall and tugs, forming a roof over their heads. The concrete bounces off the roof and onto the helicopter, knocking it loose from the dam and sending it plummeting into the river below. The reporter looks at it for a moment with a wide mouth, then says, You know, if this was a movie, that helicopter would have exploded. Stop talking, says the pilot. Meanwhile, huge waterfalls are pouring from the cracks of the dam to the river below. Graphene spots fish out of water in salmon form, swimming straight up a waterfall. He jumps out for a moment, turning to human form and still somehow flying up the waterfall and says over the comms, I'm gonna help the water skiers. Graphene thinks to herself, so this is what it's like to be on a team that works together well. I could get used to this. Meanwhile, the Kuramoto Mansion in Quad Meadows. Kirby Kuramoto is writing Japanese calligraphy with a quill pen. 
This is his grandfather's favorite punishment for him. Kirby couldn't imagine something more frustrating. He could type or dictate to Butlerbot a hundred times faster than this. Not only that, but he doesn't even really understand what his grandfather wants him writing. His only instructions are to contemplate a mission statement for his life. So when the news comes on, reporting the break in the dam, Kirby welcomes the distraction. Then, he sees that people are in real danger, and if the dam can't be fixed, most of Quadropolis will be in danger from flooding. He sends a text to Dagny under the table. See the news? Thumbs up. We gotta do something. Shrug emoji. People are gonna die, and we can save them. Dagny finally texts back something that's not an emoji. I know, but how? Kirby replies. Your powers work if you can just see a machine over a live video feed, right? Thumbs up from Dagny. Well, you just stay grounded at home then, and let me get out there. Double thumbs up. Kirby thinks for a minute and then sends another message to Dagny. Uh, first, can you help get me out of here? Kirby points his tablet at the security camera his grandfather monitors him through. Dagny, grounded in her mother's mansion, sees the security camera come up on her smartphone screen and reaches out her technopathic powers through her phone. When she feels the camera's unique signature, she whispers, Reboot! The camera's single red light turns off, and Kirby dashes out of the room and throws on his Beninja costume. Back at the mansion, Dagny is pulling on her hoodie to become IT girl and get on comms with Beninja. That security camera will start working again in just a few seconds, IT girl says. We need something else to distract your grandfather. I'm on it, Beninja says. He drops a miniature free-shrunk banana into his glove and rapidly heats it up. And he runs to his grandfather's study. Even as his grandfather sees the empty room on the security camera, Beninja darts into his grandfather's study, drops a banana peel on the doorknob, and pulls the door shut. I don't get it, Dagny says. What's that supposed to do? A super slippery peel, Beninja says. He won't even be able to get a grip on the doorknob for at least an hour. Yeah, Dagny says. But he knows you're gone. Later, there will be time for problems. Now, there is only time for justice. Beninja pages Butlerbot and tells him to ready the town car. He sends another message asking Butlerbot to load the trunk with a crate of free-shrunk bananas and, as an afterthought, the nuclear battery prototype from Jodande Labs. In her bedroom, Dagny monitors Beninja on her laptop. She puzzles over these ingredients for a moment, and then she understands Beninja's plan. Oh! Will that actually work? It has to work. It's all we have, Beninja says. Beninja runs toward the town car as Butlerbot loads the last of the equipment into the trunk. Master Kirby, I will run errands for you, but I am afraid I have strict instructions not to let you leave the residence. Beninja sneers at Butlerbot and says, Punishment override. Authorization, Kuramoto. Master Kirby, I'm afraid your mother has changed the password. What? Beninja says. Don't worry, I got this, Dagny says. 
She stares at Butlerbot through her video feed and extends her technopathic senses. Unlike most of Kirby's tech, Butlerbot is very well built. But she hears the beginning of systems with bugs. She hones in on a security module with a software update that has not yet been installed, then listens even more deeply until she hears the password subsystem. She identifies Mrs. Kuramoto's password file and whispers, Reset! In front of Kirby, Butlerbot's face goes blank, and he says, Password reset request. Please specify your new password, Mrs. Kuramoto. Beninja just stares at Butlerbot until IT Girl prompts him. Say something, she whispers. Um, eat tropical justice, villain. Error. Password must contain a numeric entry. Eat tropical justice, villain 42-niner? Password accepted. Have a nice day. Master Kirby, I must insist you return to your bedroom and work on your calligraphy. Let's try this again. Punishment override, authorization, eat tropical justice villain 42-niner. Allow Kirby out of the house. And remember to always call him Master Beninja. Butlerbot's face momentarily blanks as he processes this new instruction with the new password. Very well, Master Beninja. Butlerbot turns and begins to ready the town car with Beninja's exotic supplies. Beninja hops into the car, and Butlerbot drives him to the dam. On the way, Dagny comes in over the comms. So you really think you have enough of those free-shrunk bananas in that crate to be able to fill the entire dam? Once they're expanded, they should fill it. And you think that overloading that nuclear battery will produce enough heat to expand all of the banana peels at once? It should be enough. That is a lot more shoulds than I'm comfortable with. How are you planning to get the banana peels into the crack? Uh, I was just kind of planning on dumping them. I think we need more precision than that. Maybe you can swim into the broken part of the dam and place the crate there. But as Beninja and Butlerbot approach the dam, they see that this plan will simply not work. Water is pouring through the dam rapidly. The pressure of the roaring waterfall would crush Beninja if he tried to swim in it. Butlerbot navigates the town car around to the top of the dam. Because of the accident, police have the area barricaded, so cars cannot drive across the top of the dam. But the police officers have also left the area for their own safety. As the car approaches, Beninja leans out the window and tosses bananas at the barricades, easily slipping them over the side of the dam. From the work family mansion, IT Girl continues to supervise over a video link. Who's that in the purple suit? IT Girl asks. I see two people in purple suits, Beninja says. It's that same super suit graphene war on our first mission. They marvel for a moment at the two gray and purple clad heroes jetting around the massive spider suit. Then Beninja looks closer at the cockpit of the spider suit. Is that your mom? I so can't deal with this right now, IT girl says, and then she realizes what's happening. Just like I can't deal with the fact that those super suits must be fish out of water and graphene. But we have to talk about that later. Let's just get back to fixing the dam. Right, the ninja says. 
He looks into the fissure where the dam is cracked. Water is pouring through so rapidly he has a difficult time hearing Dagny on the comms. Maybe I can load the battery into the banana crate and drop it. Do you think you can remotely overload the battery? IT girl looks at the battery through her video feed and reaches out with her technopathic sense, but she cannot hear anything. No, that battery does not have any computerized parts. I won't be able to overload it. Besides, I'm worried if you just drop the crate, I think the water pressure will push it out of the way. If only I could swim down there myself, Beninja says. Hey, IT girl, can you hack the binary consolidated comms and talk to fish out of water? This seems like one of the very, very, very few times his powers might actually come in handy. I mean, seriously, an underwater superhero with fish-based powers? That's ridiculous. I'm trying to reach their comms, IT girl says, but they seem to be shielded. Either that, or they just have no bugs, which I find very hard to believe. Beninja tries waving at Fish, but can't get himself noticed. Then Butlerbot quietly steps up to Beninja and says, May I be of assistance, Master Beninja? Can you recommend a way to get this crate of bananas into that crack, then overload this nuclear battery? Beninja says. Processing? I believe I can do this for you, Master Beninja. I have a titanium shell, which should be able to withstand that water pressure. I can't ask you to do that, Butlerbot. Actually, all you need to do is ask, Master Kirby. Beninja, we're running out of time. Ah, Butlerbot, can you deliver hot justice to this broken dam? With pleasure, Master Beninja. Okay, then. Let me just show you how to overload this nuclear battery. Master Beninja, if I did not already know how to overload a nuclear battery, what kind of butler would I be? Butlerbot heaves the crate over one shoulder and grabs the suitcase-sized battery in the other hand. It dives down into the fissure, using jet propulsion to fight against the current and drive itself forward to the base of the crack. Butlerbot places the crate of free-shrunk banana peels, then the nuclear battery. Lastly, Butlerbot begins an overload sequence on the battery. Master Beninja, the battery's heat will go critical in approximately one minute. This will expand all of the free-shrunk bananas, and also release just a very small amount of nuclear radiation. Please take this opportunity to make sure all living things are evacuated from the area. Meanwhile, at the base of the dam. Some of the largest homes in the Quad Meadows suburb of Quadropolis are alongside the River Majestic at the base of the dam. The homes are large, expensive, and beautiful. And currently, Mrs. Work, Graphene, and Fish Out of Water move quickly between them to help families get out of their homes into their cars and away from the potential flood zone if the dam is indeed going to burst. Inside the massive spidery NSC suit, Mrs. Work sees a warning message. Hold on. A new threat has emerged. Priority Alpha. There is nuclear material in the dam. Graphene, fish, you stay away. 
I will handle this one myself. The massive spidery NSA suit gracefully shuffles toward the dam, then begins crawling up the side to where the crack is. Mrs. Work adjusts a setting, and foot-long spikes emerge from the tip of the spider leg. The NSA suit crawls up the side of the dam to the fissure, and the spikes drill into concrete on either side of the crack. As the spidery suit straddles the crack in the dam, Mrs. Work grabs levers on both sides of the cockpit and pulls them together. The eight legs of the spiderbot squeeze and multiply her strength thousands of times as they do. Against all reason, the fissure in the dam seems to grow more narrow. There, Mrs. Work says, the concrete of the dam will shield some of the blast, but now I have to get out of the blast area myself. Meanwhile, inside the fissure. Butlerbot sees a gigantic robotic spider grip onto the edges of the crack and pull them together. Master Ninja, there seems to be a problem, he says, his digital voice unaffected by the rushing water. My escape route seems to have been blocked quite handily. On top of the dam, the ninja takes a deep breath and faces his fear of heights. He rushes to the edge and looks over. The ninja sees the cockpit of the NSE suit open and Mrs. Work emerging from it. She's about 40 feet above the river below. What is she doing? Dagny asks over comms. I'll find out, the ninja says. Can you delay the overload, Butlerbot? Master Beninja, you are intelligent enough to know the answer to that question. Well then, I'm coming down. I've got to get you out of there, Butlerbot. You're sitting on top of a nuclear bomb. Beninja begins to unspool a carbon fiber cable, then mutters, I don't have time for this. He lets a banana peel drop into his hand, warms it, and places it on the side of the dam, before he steps on it himself. Beninja surfs the banana peel down the side of the dam to the NSA suit. As he does, a small fleet of drone helicopters begin to approach the dam. Meanwhile, on the NSA suit. Look sharp, Mrs. Work says over the comms to Binary Team Alpha. Those incoming helicopters are Binary News App drones. We're going to do our own coverage of our heroics, showing that Binary and not Wondar solved the problem today. Meanwhile, ten feet over the NSE suit. Beninja continues surfing down the side of the dam and slips past the NSE suit. But he attaches a banana peel to his carbon fiber cable and throws it like a grappling hook around a leg of the NSE suit. He grips the cable hard and in a grand swinging motion, sails back up through the air to land on the NSE suit in front of Mrs. Work. Beninja's fear of heights is very far from his mind as he stomps forward to Mrs. Work and points at the crack. I have a friend in there, he yells. Let go of the dam so he can get out. Mrs. Work looks at the fissure. Her visor shows that there are no living creatures inside. Then she looks back at Beninja, and then she looks at her news drones. She smiles and nods at the news drums, and turns to Beninja, saying, Don't worry, civilian. I'm a hero. I'll save you. Mrs. Work wraps her arms around Beninja and leans forward, pushing both of them off the side of the NSA suit. Clutching onto Beninja, Mrs. Work does a graceful dive away from the cockpit toward the river 40 feet below. 
Beninja shoots a terrified glance up to the fissure as they fall. Over her video feed, Dagny catches a glint of titanium and tuxedo. She knows what's going to happen next, and she knows she can't stop it. But she reaches out her technopathic senses. If she can't stop it, she can at least make sure Butler Butt does not experience the pain of the moment. Reboot, she whispers through her tears. The overload sequence on the nuclear battery completes as Mrs. Work and Beninja splash down into the river. There is an explosion, and the crack in the dam is suddenly overflowing with banana peels. The reservoir stops dumping water into the river below, and the flood risk is averted. Beninja swims up from the deep river, gasping for breath as he breaks the surface. Butlerbot! Butlerbot! He yells into the comms. Come in, Butlerbot! <laughs>